podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. We all take on different roles every day. One minute you're a parent, the next a chef, or a driver. That's why the Volvo XC40 Recharge is designed to be as versatile as you are. It's fully electric and includes a 360-degree camera, Google built-in, and more. Contact your local retailer to learn more or visit volvocars.com US. The Volvo XC40 Recharge. For every you. Some equipment optional. Google is a trademark of Google LLC. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. <laughs> wow, that was as uh, as fervent as the celebrations at the final whistle on Sunday. After that memorable 4-0 win over Everton in the FA Cup quarterfinal, Palace are returning to Wembley. We'll be talking about that game, of course, on this, the midweek main pod for the FYP podcast. Joining me, Jack Pierce. Hello to you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, JD. I'm good. I'm I'm basking in the glory and um, slowly but surely making my plans as to how to tell people that I will not be available on Easter Sunday. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Yes. Uh, yeah, not the best timing from the FA there, but when have the FA ever done anything well? <laughs> not for a while. Um, also joining us, uh, John Curran is back on the pod. JC, how are you doing? I'm absolutely fine. Um, like Jack, I'm drafting an email to 30 people saying there won't be Easter Sunday around my house. <laughs> yes, I think there'll be lots of people listening who will probably be having similar predicaments uh, because, of course, we will be returning to Wembley uh, to watch Palace play against Chelsea. We will, um, we'll touch on that at, uh, at one point in the pod, but we will, of course, first review that fantastic, fantastic, memorable, iconic 4-0 win against Everton. What a day that was at Sellers. Before we do that, uh, of course, we've got our admin at the top of the pod. So let's have a, let's have, and let's have the best drum roll we've ever had for a random paper. Here we go. It's uh, Charles Meyer. Hello, I knew Charles. it was going to be Charles. I knew it was going to be Charles. Of course it's Charles. Of course it is. Yeah, of course. Uh, you can join our patron like Charles did recently and get, I mean, so many rewards. Post-match podcast, which Rob and I have started doing immediately after games. We've flipped them now. We're doing an immediate half-hour giddy, uh, you know, full of adrenaline reaction. And then we switch to the studio with Selzy afterwards. So you get the best of both worlds now on the post-match pods. You can get that. Patron-only merchandise. A new run is going out very soon indeed. Um, and access to the patron-only Discord club, uh, which I would say is one of the most supportive Palace group chats you can join. It's absolutely lovely. Um, 
So that's that done. Uh, quick shout out this week. The, I, I've been banging on about my, my museum, a comedy show in London, uh, my solo show. It's happening this Thursday, the 24th of March at 7pm at the Museum of Comedy in, in central London near, near Hoban. Uh, it's a show about football and fatherhood, which is why I've called it Jim Daly Football and Fatherhood. I don't mess around when it comes to show <laughs> titles. Uh, so please do come along. It's a sweet, it's a sweet sort of um, heartwarming show about being a dad and my love of football. Uh, and you can get tickets for eight quid at museumofcomedy.com or two for 12. £12, what a bargain that is if you use discount code Cascarino, as in former Ireland international Tony Cascarino, and all is, is explained in the show as to why I've chosen that discount code. Uh, and that's it. That's the admin done. Oh, no, really quickly. Keep an eye out for details of we are thinking of doing another meetup before the semi, like we did for the final in 2016 uh, at that pub on the South Bank. We are thinking of doing another one for the semi. Uh, so keep an eye out. Details will be revealed at some point. Uh, but yeah, we feel like that was such a great day in 2016. Let's do something similar for the semi. I'm, I'm just moving my Easter Sunday, trying to renegotiate Easter Saturday. Now you're going to throw that one in probably. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, yeah, I thought I was just, we were just talking about. Shall I just forget about it? Shall I, I forget about it? I'm a Catholic. I'm a, shall I just forget about it? Shall I just bypass to. Easter yeah. this year? You might have to. You, you might know? have to. Just tell people the whole weekend's out. The whole yeah, weekend exactly. is just because how we, to end yeah. a relationship by FYP. This is not good, yeah. JD. <laughs> Help a brother out. Or we yeah. could do thing is we could do the meetup on the Friday night, but then to be honest, that means Saturday is out anyway. If you've come to the to the meetup, so but we'll work yeah. it out. We'll work it out. I'm sure people will be able to work things out. It's going to be an interesting weekend. Um, but let's start, Jack, with an interesting game at Selhurst. Four uh, nil win. We know, of course, your dad's never turned in. It's come up before on the podcast. I know you're watching the game with him um probably not the result i'm guessing either of you expected uh no uh <laughs> i i thought we'd i was confident we would win the closer it got to the game the less nervous i was i didn't think we'd wipe the floor with them for no i thought they'd ride the wave of of last thursday um the the fantastic win for them against newcastle and you know great spirit with 10 men they showed none of that yesterday they, other than the first ten minutes, where where they certainly did do their best to pin us in and 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 did so, we were by far the better team. And as soon as we got one, we really were in cruise control. I felt I, I didn't feel any threat from them throughout the whole game. And, and Palace very much in control from the moment they took the lead. Really, so um, absolutely delighted. He uh, he did not stay around for the fourth goal. So oh, no. uh, yeah, that, that's probably was a there testament. a fire drill? <laughs> yeah, it was a fire drill. No, that's that's probably testament to. Um, to, to the state of mind of Evertonians, but I think they have bigger fish to fry this season in terms yeah. of securing their Premier League status. But let's talk about Palace because that's where um, that's where we need to be talking. We were absolutely brilliant. I, I thought um, to a man, everybody had a, about as good a performance as you could hope for in the pressure cooker that was an FA Cup quarterfinal. I think we spoke last week that that's probably the biggest kind of one-off occasion since the Brighton playoff semi, possibly the whole game of mm. and, uh, 2016, 2017 to, to kind of secure safety was, was a big one. But in terms of kind of showcase event, that was, that was huge. And the players were brilliant. The players showed the, the mindset and the skill to make very easy work of an FA Cup quarterfinal and secure what will be a great day at Wembley. I think every player shone. Um, I, I think the goals were, were great, regardless of what Frank Lampard says. I think 
Um, all the goals showed, showed some really neat play, intricate play. Um, particularly the second one I thought was excellent. I thought um, yeah. Wilf's skill and, and Eze's weight of pass to, to set Wilf free down the flank was great and a fantastic finish from Mateta. Again, showcasing what I think is becoming his trademark in that willingness to shoot first time and yeah. keep the guard, uh, keep the keeper um, kind of guessing in terms of when the ball's going to be struck. But yeah, absolutely fantastic goal. And then the two goals in the second half really cap off a, a lovely day for Palace. Um, two very well-worked goals, um, fortuitous in the sense that they've come off the post and forced a good save from Pickford. But to get to um, the, the part of the pitch to to hit those shots from Elise and then Gallagher uh, involves some really lovely intricate play um, and, and then tap-ins for Wilf and Hughes to, to make it four. But yeah, great, great, great day. And um, I hope Wembley will surpass it in terms of experience because when we go to Wembley, we generally do it pretty well. Yeah, indeed. I think whatever happens at Wembley, you know Palace fans are going to uh, to do it well. JC, it was um, it's going to go down. I think, as Jack says, you know, arguably the biggest game since probably since promotion at Selhurst um, in terms of sort of um, yeah, sort of uh, occasion. It's going to go down as one of those memorable games, I think, for Palace fans. Just everything about it: the weather, the atmosphere, the football, the result. I haven't. I haven't walked through the concourse. Oh, I've been on the, sat on the home cell for a while, but I haven't walked through the concourse and seen so many friendly faces and people I remember. It's absolutely lovely. And I saw you and Dexter at the end. Mm. And we shared a sort of fist pump then as we were all walking out. It was a lovely day shared by so many people. It's going to go down, I think, as a, as a memorable game for people that were there, people that weren't there because of what it shows in this journey. You know, how it shows how far Palace have come, where they're going. It's a real sort of milestone i think in this fiera journey it's just it's just a perfect day and it's going to be a very memorable one yeah i agree i think it, it was one of the most un fa cup games really it, <laughs> you know you yeah. it, it was really a stroll in the park and apart from the first 15 minutes where i don't think everton were that good i think we were just not very good yeah the game started off with nathaniel klein passing to elise but weight of pass was wrong, got intercepted, and that kind of gave the momentum a bit. It set the scene for the first 15 minutes, and Gahey and Mitchell struggled in the first 15 minutes. Um, but then I I kind of was talking to Dexter, and we were saying, um, you know, they played two days earlier. They won't be able to keep up the high press, how they're doing it. And, yes. and then slowly we just, you know, started coughing. Andros Townsend, you know, I mean, awful what happened to him, but that, Definitely, I think him going off was a help. Um, uh, Vieira said that we changed tactics and we started going long as a means of just countering for a little bit what they were doing, and that seemed to work. And then after about 20 minutes, I think that there was this one moment when Eze got the ball and just ran with it, took on and started gliding. Yeah. And that lifted everyone. And from then on, it was just it was just all palace. So, I mean, Everton were, were shameful shameful yeah. as, as a foot uh, what they did and how they they uh they kind of were present at the game but at the same time we're so exciting we're we're so dangerous we are um, so, yeah, yeah. so we'll go and that the, the atmosphere was just i mean okay we can go on about us palace fans and you know that's what we're known for but we still have to turn up and it was just electric it was just, you're right you're right about the Townsend thing. And um, we said this on the post-match, and I guess we should say it here. So in all our... Andros is one of those few players that I think will always get a good reception when he comes back at Selhurst. And, and the last player you wanted to see go down, ironically, as you said, it, it did 
stop Everton's momentum. It gave us a chance to get back into the game and, and, and weirdly it did sort of turn the game, but he's the last Everton player. I mean, you don't want to see anyone go down with a bad injury, um, but I know that all Palace fans will be wishing him the best on his recovery and hoping that it's it, it's not as bad as first fear, but it does look yeah. like a particularly bad injury. Um, yeah. So hopefully he's okay and able to recover, but you're right. It did turn the tide because in the first 20 minutes, Palace were a bit, bit nervy. Um, mm. Don't know if it was the yeah. occasion or what, but they did. A few people have sent in questions. PC Wires, in fact, a few of our regulars, PC hey, Wires, PC. Uh, was, was the first half a game of two halves. I mean, it kind of was actually up until the, yeah. uh, the Andros thing. And then Magic 3 CPFC, he <laughs> of many emojis. Uh, was any of you getting a, a wee bit concerned in the first 20 minutes or was it just me? No, I think we all were Magic. I also don't like facing the Homesdale in the first half, Whitehorse in the second, but that hoodoo went out the window. Yes, that's very true. I'm not, I don't like that either, but it did seem to go out the window. And 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 uh, Jack, as JC says, once Palace got to get in the game, there were a few players who really did start to flourish, and Eze is one of them. And in fact, I've got I've got a question from one of our listeners for you about Eze, um, okay. because I think that was a, a lovely byproduct of the game. Is is I think seen the best of Eze since he's been injured, actually, yeah. which is fantastic yeah. and a real reminder of what we know he can do. For sure. um, and he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, although, to be fair, I think going into the game with the lineups, it was probably his inclusion in place of Schlupp who was suspended that probably made me do the b- biggest intake of breath, actually, and think, oh, okay, this is bold from Vieira. Um, but he completely justified his selection. And uh, again, one of our favorite listeners, the Cafe E Pifuto account. Hey, Cafe. <laughs> oh, cafe. Hey, Cafe. Hey, cafe. <laughs> I wonder where this Cafe... We need to go and visit this Cafe. We've got to go. Yeah, do a live point. Um, how pleased is Jack that Eze wasn't sent out on loan? <laughs> I think he knew it was coming, didn't you? Yeah, no, I, I, I went on the record, didn't I, and said that, you know, given his lack of time, could we retrospectively think that putting him out on loan might have been a better way for him to to get minutes and recover from what was an awful injury? Um, it did require an opportunity for him to get a, a place in the team, and that opportunity was um, Jeffrey Schlupp's accumulation of a certain number of yellow cards to mean he was ruled out. And... Uh, if the question is, uh, did Eze take the opportunity? He certainly did. I, I felt the first 10 minutes, Everton were clearly, ch- I don't know whether it was Eze or Mitchell or Gay, but they were really hammering down that right-hand channel. Mm. And, and uh, you know, there, there was the moment where Gay, um, in one of his worst moments in the Palace shirt, very nearly conceded a, a god-awful penalty and possibly would have gone at that moment with two minutes. He, he would have done a Lewis dunk in the sense of, of being, you know, sent off very, very early on a in a game at that end of the pitch. Um, but thankfully he got he got a touch on it. But they kept coming down that flank and it wasn't really until um, Andrew Townsend's unfortunate injury that that really that, that flurry of attacks down that right-hand side stopped. Um, but no, I was delighted to see him. I mean, I'm a huge Eze fan. I was absolutely besotted with him last year in a Palace shirt. And his injury was so unlucky, uh, particularly when we then found out that he was on Southgate's list for inclusion for the for the bigger mm-hmm. Euro squad. Um, uh, and I, I, I fully appreciate it's going to take a long time for him to get back to, to where he was. But yesterday was a really, really strong performance and a strong indicator that he's heading in the right direction and that we may well see him feature a lot more between now and the end of the season. Um, I'm sure we'll touch on Gallagher's availability for the semi-final. Um, I think Eze's demonstrated yesterday that he can play um, to the side of that three, um, as he did yesterday. And some of his touches were just absolutely glorious. Um, as mentioned earlier, the, the weight of pass to set Wilf away for the second goal was was lovely. Um, but some of his close control, the way he gets out of tight positions is absolutely fantastic. And um, the more minutes he gets in that Vieira system and that Vieira midfield, the better he will be and the better we will look as a team. Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing him more and more in, the, in that system and, and playing for a manager who clearly adores him 
um, judging by the, the kind of social media and club footage that we see released. So great day for the club, but particularly for Berre as yesterday, he was outstanding. He was he was also really good in the tackle, I thought, and his off off the ball work. So I think Gallagher, where there's a strong strongness about Gallagher, he really gets stuck in. Yeah. But actually Eze starts doing that a bit as well. And and it, I was a bit skeptical about just it being Czech as the holding midfield player with Eze in the team. But it's yeah. there seemed to be enough steel there. He did need a couple of moments. He did need a few things to go as well. I mean, I, on, on television, the pitch looked quite bouncy, and there are a couple of moments it was, where it was awful. He he mm. did misjudge the 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 weight of the the bounce and and, and didn't get under control. And I I winced a little bit, thinking whether he was at the pace for the game. But very quickly, once he'd had a couple of you know silky touches and felt his felt his feet in the game, he didn't look back. He was he was brilliant and. Uh, justified fully the the huge applause he got when he got taken off after 70 minutes. And that was right. I think it could have been tempting for Vieira to say, let's give him the whole 90 because we're cruising. But actually, his minutes still need to be managed. And I'm sure yeah. the, the medical staff were telling him that probably 70 was was the max in a, in a game of that intensity. But yeah, I, I really hope we see more of him between now and the end of the season. And, and there's, there's no reason why, um, you know, given how well he took the opportunity, that he certainly contended to start against Arsenal in a, in a two weeks' time. Yeah, and interesting that it's in that number eight position when he had obviously the last time I think he played was out, out wide. Um, but he does look more comfortable in that number eight. And and Vieira's system does rely with the one holding on the two number eights in front of him, doing a lot of work back and forth. We saw Schlupp do that in the last mm. game fantastically. We know he's got that in him. And obviously Gallagher, we know he's got could run for days. But as you say, JC, interesting seeing Eze doing that side of the game as well, because clearly that is needed in this system. And, and mm. when it works, it works perfectly. And it was, it was great to see. And I, I don't think there's any other Palace player at the moment that fans are so desperate to see get back to his best in terms of ability and personality because he seems like the nicest kid as well so we wish him all the best and as Jack says hope we see more of him um, another player JC though who we talk about every week on this podcast because people keep asking about him and in fact, I'm not sure I've had your opinion on this for a while is JPM Jean-Philippe Mateta who scored again as, as Jack said fantastic goal really well worked and he had, did have a good performance uh, indeed um We've got the cafe again has come out with another question, uh, another question added on to the Reze one. Is Mateta the perfect Palace player? 50% genius, 50% Bambi on ice. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I, I, I was listening to you on the pod extra and it's obviously you've got some beef about him. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't think he's 50 or 50. I think um, he's the best striker we have at the moment. And he's there's a lot that he does. Um, that's very clever. He's a very, very clever player. His hold-up play. I know there's this thing about, you know, Benteke hold-up play compared to Mateta's finishing, but his hold-up play is very clever. His layoffs are, are a brilliant way to pass. He's not good enough in the air, but that's that's his weakness. Apart from that, he's a very difficult player to play against. Match of the day singled him out. Yeah, and did the analysis on him because they're seeing something different there. The one thing that we've been yearning for also since Glenn Murray is a striker with personality, with character. Yeah, that a, de- a defender would want to would want to punch. Yeah, and that's what you need, especially if, if you're the single striker up front. You're going to have to have some kind of guts to you and some attitude. And he's got all that. He humiliates. He's talking the the defender's ears. He he's a bit of a you know he's he's not going to take any rubbish and you don't get that character with Benteke or Edward. They haven't got the kind of arrogance that he has. Um, 
he he and he runs the channel so well he's got more speed than we give him credit for i i think we're seeing the making of a very very good player you're absolutely right about the character so shut up then jd (laughs) 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 to be fair jc jd has to provide some balance because rob sutherland is the ultimate fanboy so (laughs) there does have to be a degree of 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 reality but you know jd you you gotta love yesterday i i thought that was his best performance in a panel shirt on the on the back of another excellent performance against man city uh where he did a different type of job to yesterday but no he's definitely growing in my affections and and any man that can move the way he moved to luther vandross is never uh never too much uh as, as he did in the dressing room after the game is a man that i can only respect so i mean that uh, yeah, all, all the, the, whole, JPM. the whole kicking of the flag and stuff that's just that's that's exactly what you want and you know he nails it I mean, every time but, he never I, it's, it's hard but it's hard. It, it, I mean, yeah. I tried it the other day. I ended up in a and I mean, it's like you, Ben Teke's goal celebration is a takeoff from an NBA basketball player. There's no personality there. You know, we're 4-0 yeah. down. We're 4-0 down and he scores. He'll still do that bloody thing. Wherever he does. You know, you're it's, right, it, you're it, right it, about personality. You're right about personality. And I said this before in a previous pod that when I, I, I about a month ago that I was starting to fall in love with him a bit more. And I think it was because of personality. And actually that personality for me does make him feel more like a Palace player or, or certainly like an old school Palace player. Um, and I think you're right. And I think actually maybe the one the one position on the pitch maybe where you want that probably is centre forward. Actually, you don't, you don't really want your centre backs a personality. You want them to be cool heads and crack on mm-hmm. with it. But actually maybe you're... I, I actually would argue maybe that 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 the ultimate palace forward does need a percentage of Bambi on ice, but maybe it's not 50, as you say. Maybe we're looking at 10% Bambi on ice, maybe just for that unpredictability. Yeah. Maybe. Well, I mean, I'll, we'll give you 10%. 10%. 10% yeah. Bambi on ice. I'll give you 10%. Hey, J, JD, however much you love him, what we can certainly say is that the £8 million purchase of him in January instead of a £15 million purchase of him this summer is yeah. looking a better and better deal as the weeks go by. I, I, I mean, that guy, if he, if he carries on the way he's playing, he's worth more than that already. I mean, he's proving yeah. that he can score goals at the highest level in England. Um, and I like what I see. I, I, I've, I've said on this pod throughout the season, I was very unsure about him in January. We, you know, when he was linked with a move away to San Etienne, wasn't really that bothered if he wasn't going to be here. Now I can't really imagine him not being an option for Vieira. Yeah. Vieira trusts him. And therefore I've got to trust him because in Patrick Vieira, we trust. Indeed. So, you know. Indeed. He's, a, he's a young striker and it's no, you know, I think some people feel, well, why didn't Roy play him more? And, you know, the Rob, Rob probably feels that. And But actually, he's a, he was a young striker coming from a different standard of league, which is the Bundesliga. Um, maybe he needed that year, just even in the training part of it, the speed, the mm-hmm. the physicality of it. He, now he doesn't look at all out of his place when he's facing up to a big defender mm-hmm. or, or top world-class defenders. He still, he will play his game. And that, yeah. that's what I'm, re- I, I see a development happening, which yeah, is really I, exciting. Yeah, I think yeah. physically he's developed, sorry JD, but I think physically he's developed. I said at the start of the season that he, or t- towards the end of last season, when he did come on for 15, 20 minutes, he looked burnt. But now he's playing 60, 70 and then looking burned. But he's doing 60, 70 minutes at the highest level. And I think a year of conditioning and fitness work that he's doing with the Premier League club day in, day out is is reaping its rewards. And he looks like he's ready for the fight every time he goes against it. I mean, Everton's defenders were not up to much yesterday. But what they will do, the likes of Ben Godfrey, Michael Keane, is they'll get physical with someone. And he more than handled himself yesterday. Um, So all, all credit to JPM for the work he's doing off the pitch as well as on it. 
And and, and the, the Murray the Murray comparison is interesting because I remember when Murray signed in 2011, and Dougie Friedman said, and he he would have he'd come from Brighton, that's right, but he'd previously been in the lower leagues and out in America. And Friedman said, judge him on his second season. Don't judge him on his mm. first season. Judge him on his second. And of course, his second season, he scored 32 goals, and we get promoted. So I think maybe sometimes there is a bit of impatience with maybe particularly strikers and we, but, but in terms of a turnaround, you know, and in terms of a sort of a project, I, how I don't, quick it's been as well. Yeah. I can't remember any player really that, that that's had that kind of turnaround. So M- Murray and Mateta both have in common scoring iconic palace goals at the same end of the Amex as well. So <laughs> enjoy go. that to any Brighton fan that's listening. Rogue. <laughs> uh, okay. Good stuff. Listen, we got loads more to talk about and we will, uh, but let's take a quick break. Cause when we come back, we're going to do our winners and losers. Uh, so no, sorry. Our winners and must do betters. Uh, so join us for that in a minute. Albert Harry, Harry Bassett. Those are pretty much the best Harrys Crystal Palace have had, but now there's another, as this week's episode of the FYP podcast is sponsored by harrys.com. We all know Palace are more than a football club. Well, Harry's is way more than a razor company. They're here to revamp your whole routine, much like Patrick Vieira has revamped the Eagles this season. From close shaves and flake-free hair all the way to clear, healthy skin, Harry's helps guys feel good. Harry's come personally recommended by FYP and they're offering FYP listeners a free trial set with a travel size shower gel. All you have to do is go to harrys.com slash FYP and pay the £3.95 for delivery. The trial set has everything you need. An expertly engineered weighted handle, a five-blade carriage that's made in Germany, no less, complete with precision trimmer, some foaming shave gel, a travel blade cover, and a free shower gel for FYP listeners. I've actually been using Harry's for a while and can say that the shave is as clean as a Michael Elise strike, and the shower gel left me invigorated like a last-minute Benteke winner at the Amex. Cleansing and exfoliating before you shave increases the chance of cleaner results, and Harry's shower gels, face wash, and skincare products can be added to shave plans anytime, anywhere. Plus, their products are formulated with 0% sulfates, parabens, or dyes, and unlike most of us at Celeste on match days, are alcohol-free. So give your own shower shave a go by redeeming a free Harry's trial set. All you cover is a £3.95 for delivery. Just head to harrys.com slash FYP to have your set delivered and start a shave plan. Your freebie will be added at checkout. That's harrys.com slash FYP. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan podcast. Yes, Way. yes, oh, I Wembley, Wembley. <laughs> We've got Patrick Vieira. Uh, we got some yes. Patrick Vieira. Semi-finals. <laughs> Beautifully done, boys. Beautiful. We've done. got Super Pat Vieira. FA Cup. <laughs> remix, uh, remix. It's, it's time for. Where, where's Joe Walker to remix this? That would that would have been a great. It would have been. I can send it to him later. I'm sure Joe, he can. Joe, do your magic if you can. Yeah. He's a busy boy, Joe. He's a busy boy. Um, it's time for winners and, well, not losers, must do betters. And I should say a shout out to our patron, Mark Silverstein, who, um, or Mark Silverstein, I never get his name out. I apologize, Mark. Mark. Um, Mark, Mark S., um, who came Mark. up with the must do better because I was saying in previous pods, losers sounds too harsh. Um, so winners and must do betters. Call me up winners and twats. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Maybe we can. We'll just go the other way. We'll just go completely the other way. Well, I feel like this week, losers slash must-do-betters slash twats is going to be 
basically one man. Uh, maybe we should just open with that, Jack, because I don't think in terms of Palace, there's probably no one that fits into that category. But I think in terms of Everton, there's one candidate. Isn't yeah, there? my dad. I mean, no, no, sorry. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, it, as, as post-match interviews go, I think Frank Lampard's post-match interview on the Selhurst pitch turf is about as tone deaf as it gets. To, to say that Everton didn't play that badly and Palace didn't play that well, but it was 4-0, and then say that all of our goals were bang average or from a corner. Uh, if I was an Evertonian, I'd be absolutely furious to hear that because you know they'd all got up at 3am to get a bus at 5am to be in Norwood for 11.30 midday, and their team has put in that performance. You know, As we said, other than the 10 minutes at the start, they were absolutely dreadful yesterday. And I don't think he paid the respect to Palace that was, that yeah. was required either. I thought it was quite a disrespectful... Um, Tony took towards Palace and perhaps was the tone of a man who's probably regretting making a balls up of his Palace interview last summer. Not that I know that happened, but <laughs> if he did balls up his interview at Palace last summer, um, I dare say he's probably regretting it more um, with each passing day, particularly when his new employer comes to Palace and gets seen off very, very handsomely. But look, I I'd, 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 I'd a lot of time for Frank Lampard as a player, incredible player at Chelsea, whether he's going to do the job at Everton that's required for my father's sake, I hope he does this season in the short term at least. Um, but yesterday he got it completely wrong. And, and yeah, the main point really was the lack of respect shown to Palace. I don't think he even congratulated Palace on making it to the semi-final, which you would think, given that we'd handsomely seen them off 4-0, he might have said first play to Palace and we won at the races, but instead he took a, a different tact. But uh, yeah, sorry, Frank, you're not the one for us. No, he didn't even do the old um, Frank Lampard transition. There was no joke. There was just no joke. Was, no, it was plain he's, he, boring. He, he's one of these new breed of boring, fake English managers. This shouldn't be anywhere near the blood. They should be doing punditry on crazy golf. <laughs> yeah, you know, should be that, anywhere near Lampard. Yeah, yeah, twat. Yeah. Well, you could see. I think <laughs> you could see JC that. Um, <laughs> well, there was there's so many rumours about what happened with him in the summer. Some some that when he found out he wasn't first choice, he he walked away from the Palace job. Some that he he didn't want it because he didn't want to be in a relegation battle, which is obviously very ironic. But you could see when he took his players over to the edge, uh, the, the the away fans, the only Everton fans that had stayed were the ones that wanted to stay and berate mm. him, not even the players, him personally. He's in real trouble, and I think sorry, that... sorry, but before JC says that, that his use of Anthony Gordon as human armor, <laughs> yeah, yeah, was human outrageous armor, yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, Anthony Gordon was about the only Evertonian yesterday who could, as he is most weeks at the moment, who could held hold his head yeah. high. And he literally walked behind him. It's just so cringeworthy. But yeah, sorry. But all sorry. these I things, the- JC, all these things, that that the post-match interview, and without making this too much about Lampard, because Jack's right that there was a lack of respect there, are clearly just the actions of a man who knows he's under pressure big time. Yeah, exactly. And, and the thing that really gets me about him, he, he still thinks he drives, you know, flash car, and that's his style of management. He got Deli Ali. I know they couldn't play, but they got Deli Ali and your man from Manchester United. On yeah, kind of and and for that, I'm going to be dropping Townsend and uh, Damari Gray. They were both complete cheap buys because of the financial situation, but Benitez saw them as worthwhile. Those two have been running their backsides off for yeah. Everton, and every Everton fan have got utmost respect for those two. It's those two players who will bring Everton to safety, not some stellar big signings at this stage, you know? And this is this is classic Lampard. You know, he he wants it to look good already. He doesn't understand what a fight is. Anyway, it's, uh, you know, I mean, I've got no time for... I, I, 
You know, I don't want to speak about Lampard. It's, and there's it's, our loser of the week. And if Frank, you're listening, well, must there do is better, one, Frank. There is, there, there is one more loser. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Yeah. And this is going to be a little bit controversial. There are two oh. of them, actually. They're, oh they're, they're joined uh, at the hips. Okay, I think I might know who they are. Okay, go on. I, I've spoken highly of them of late. Oh. Um, and I have. And I've done research on them. I know them. I know people that know their companies. Josh Harris and oh. Blitzer, they can yeah. piss off out of our Here club. Yeah, if they yeah. think that they're going to go and buy Chelsea. You go and buy Chelsea, but don't ever step in our club again. You have, you're not welcome. You are a disgrace if that's actually what you're doing. Even if you don't get the bid, if you bid for Chelsea, I understand the business side of it, get out of our club. I thought you were going to say the two YouTubers who uh, did the halftime challenge. <laughs> I thought he was going to go YouTubers as <laughs> and well. One of them, and one of them slipped on his ass. It was, un- it was, the, it was almost the highlight of the entire day, which as is if, impressive given what happened. we would think I th- I that thought JC I said would really... not be so highfalutin. I mean, honestly, <laughs> JC, we should never have doubted you, JC. <laughs> I, thought I, I thought I was being really flipping sincere there, and you two would go, hey, that's, <laughs> that's deep. That's deep, JC. That's deep. <laughs> no, there's a, fair, there's, there's a fair so point right. in there. We don't, so right. we don't know, uh, obviously, the audience notes of it and stuff, but it it certainly would it would be a very bitter pill, Jack, I think, for Palace fans to to to, to swallow if that were that to happen. Whether it means then that, that John Texter increases his stake or whatever, or there's rumors of that as well. And he seems to have very much bought into the uh, you know, the palace mentality and his boys go to palace and you know, he he's he seems to have very much bought into it way more than 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 Harrison Blitzer sort of ever did really in their yep, spell. Yep. But it would certainly be, I think, a bit of pill to swallow, wouldn't it? Well for the timing is very sad in the sense that yeah. we're obviously riding a huge wave at the moment with all the positivity on the pitch and Vieira and everything to do with that. So for the ownership of the club to be chucked into you know, a mire of uncertainty is very unfortunate timing. I think Bloomberg ran a story yesterday to say that Texas looking to increase his uh, share in the club. And you'd think there's probably only uh, one group or one, yeah, well, the group of, of Harris and Blitzer would be where the shares to be bought are. I mean, John Texter hasn't bought another football club this week, which makes you think he's probably <laughs> counting his pennies to, to maybe make a, a further investment in Palace. But yeah, it's a shame. Um, but look, the, the Harris and Blitzer thing is that you have to look at it that they while have they haven't gone wild in terms of their spending, but what they have done is provide the financial stability for the club during what has been a, a very difficult time for football clubs financially in terms of the pandemic and and the palace did a lot of good stuff in the community, which is probably off the sure footing that the likes of Harrison Blitz have put. So I won't critique them in terms of what they've done before, but it, it's not a great look. I, I, I take JC's point that um, in terms of business, it might be a very good opportunity for them. And Chelsea's a, a far bigger global brand than Crystal Palace's. But you'd like to think if they'd had any attachment and emotional attachment to the club, they may well be thinking we can't do this. It does look bad. But at the end of the day, they are purely businessmen. And, and I dare say what, what strikes them as good business is going to dictate what they do. However, that said, what we must think is that the way Palace are playing on the pitch at the moment would make them a very attractive investment uh, opportunity for for those that are looking um, at the Premier League from the outside or someone like John Texter who's looking at the situation from the inside. So not, not all hope is lost, but it's a situation that requires some sensitive handling and I do trust Steve Parrish to do that. It's just difficult because they are businessmen, as you say, but we are fans, so we we always lead a sort of an emotional attachment to it. And, and when but... I, yeah, and when I saw the news, I did think, oh, that that's sad. But you know, when you when you think of their business approach to their US sport franchises, 
yeah, it's true. And no it, but it's, ne- it's never quite, even from when they came in, it's never quite felt like a sort of uh, harmonious kind of thing, to be honest. Yeah, the, the thing, the thing is about the, well, you know, maybe it shouldn't say, do. I don't know. There's a saying that the one, the one kind of continuum in a f- football club are the fans. And what I was saying about that wasn't like I expect them to turn up to the, to the games dressed in red and blue and you know cover Times Square in Manhattan with Palace logos. <laughs> Um, it's it's more about us protecting our club, yeah, yeah. not 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 the tribalism of like you know you should have red and blue blood and but it is about we are not ever going to be go down the routes that we went down those years yeah. ago and we won't do with Parish at the helm, right? But but we don't want people we don't want people in our club like that because it, 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 and and that's my point. What it does is it presents the opportunity for the boat to be rocked. And I think mm, it's sad yeah. it's at a time when really none of us want the boat to be rocked. You know, the club's been exactly. very, That's very, very way, well. Yeah. And for, for me, the the idea of somebody that you wouldn't want associated with your club becoming involved in your club is, is obviously way down the list of, of, of desires. Um, but when such stakeholders like Harrison Blitzer put their stake holding up for grabs, it does present the risk of of there being people and persons associated with the club that you don't want to be associated with the club. But that said, we have got the ultimate stopgap to prevent that happening in Steve Parrish, whose instincts every step of the way so far has been on point. So from my perspective, you've got to trust that Parrish will know um, what to do and who to deal with. And I, I, even though there's a global crisis upon global, global crisis at the moment, there probably is a list of people who have made it clear that they are interested in investing in a Premier League club and Parrish is probably aware of who those people are so if there is a gap in the kind of the ownership of the club Parrish may be able to be on the front foot and and make propositions to people that he trusts and and that's probably the best place the the club could be in a situation like this but yeah a bit unnerving and um, not that there is a a right time for the for the club to be uh, destabilised but yeah this this does seem unfortunate timing yeah well let's hope the boat isn't rocked too much um i realized what i didn't do was uh shout out to the patrons because obviously this is supposed to be a patron only section do, do, do you know what the public can have that first bit because that was some good chat there on the uh on the losers slash must do betters but we're going to keep the winners for our patrons if you want to hear who our winners are go to patron.com slash fyp podcast p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fyp podcast um if you're not a patron you're now here a bit from the post-match pod from Rob and I outside sellers being very giddy indeed. And if you want to hear more of that each week after every game, sign up to the patron as well. So let's do a split now. What a day. We're going to Wembley, JD. We are going to Wembley. How we'll get tickets, I don't know. They'll be incredibly expensive, but we're going to make it happen. And we're going to be at Wembley, yeah. It was a challenging first 20 minutes for Palace, wasn't it? It, it took them a little while to kind of settle down. But... but you've got to give some credit to Palace for the way that they defended in those 20 minutes and really made it difficult for Everton to, to even kind of find that goal. And after that, Palace just took control, didn't they? Uh, after, after winning an FA Cup quarterfinal 4-0 against Everton, it's going to be really hard to find criticism anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, it's going to be... It's well, going to be like, the, like the City game, it's going to be a very... We're doing it again. We're doing a part one now and a part two later on with Selzy and with Matt Harrison, who's one of our patrons coming on. Um, 
it's going to be a very upbeat part one. But I think we don't, we, um, what I'm doing is getting the worst of it out of the way first, so that we can just go <laughs> like, on a, like on a exactly, exactly. Like but it was it was a difficult start. But Palace showed solid solidity and, and and determination to stop Everton from really getting should any, we, any we start chances. Walking? Yes, we should. Right, going? Going yeah. Lovely seeing you, mate. <laughs> um, Yes, they, I thought Palace looked nervy. I thought Palace looked, 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 looked nervous. Like, almost like the occasion is... Um, I hope people are enjoying the ambient sounds, by the way. Um, like the occasion got to us a bit, and, and Everton looked really up for it, I thought, in the first 20 minutes. They, 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 they clearly came... I mean, obviously, over the course of the game, you realise, actually, Everton haven't really got much in. They've not got nothing there, really. But they had 15, 20 minutes of, just, I guess, like pure old-school passion. They really went for it. And Palace rode out the storm. And yeah, there were a few sort of like nervy moments, but you, you're going to get that in, in most games. But I thought they, they handled it well. And, we, and about, yeah, about 15, 20 minutes, we started to suddenly come back into it as they got on the ball more. And you, you could feel the atmosphere in the stadium just... Because I, th- I think we were all nervy in the stands, yeah, weren't we? of course. Does uh, Patrick Vieira know exactly what we need? I mean, how good are those moments? I mean, we, we, had, we had on a Monday night, didn't we? A final whistle... But we, we are we are currently living through something very special at the moment, and and these moments, the the, the Super Pat song and and everything really, these are yeah, they've worked hard this season. This is a culmination of their their hard work and stuff. But these are times to be in, to be enjoyed as a Palace fan. Right now, walking up the Homestead Road, just like the song says, surrounded by happy Palace, surrounded by happy Palace fans in the sun. It's beautiful, and and, and I th- I think we are creating something special here. And those moments of singing that Pat song with Vieira in front of us taking it all in his stride he's a very cool individual these are special moments and I think they're, they're moments to be enjoyed and obviously we know that we're going to get a tough team probably in, you know, in the semis and it might be where our season ends but this has been a, a special journey you know, recently and I think it's time for us to take stock and enjoy it yeah I agree back to the game yeah so the, the, the thing that actually changed the game for Palace unfortunately was Andros Townsend suffering a, an injury which actually that break gave Palace a chance to re- to reset. Um, <laughs> Should we let these boys yeah. bath us? I'll tell you what, let's have a moment where listeners can just soak up the atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that. Um, yes. Then I think also, again, the other thing we, we need to talk about is the midfield. Um, yeah. Kiata I thought was excellent again. Um, Gallagher was tenacious throughout. I think I was saying to Andy midway through the game that it looked Gallagher basically played a different role today which was essentially the, the MacArthur role yeah, which yeah. was the te- you know being a little bit the, the kind of the, the, the terrier in midfield but with, with a little bit of uh, quality and, and you know finding passes making fi- essentially finding whoever it was on the wing yeah. uh, and I thought he did an excellent job um, and then who was it that was playing with it? oh Eze yeah, I mean yeah, we, yeah, we, we need to talk about it. I mean yeah. Eze is just Eze looked like the player that we'd, we'd seen on television for so long yeah um Brilliant. That that midfield three was excellent. I thought. Yeah, I guess. I guess uh, again, like when you saw the lineups, you, I did think, oh, that's that's a bold front three because essentially it was Czech playing the six, wasn't it? And then two eights in front of him with, with Eze and, and Gallagher. And you're asking all of them to do a different role. You're asking Gallagher, as you say, to get up and down and really cover a lot of ground. You're asking Eze, I guess, to sort of float and make things happen. Then you're asking Czech to obviously sit and break up play. And that midfield doesn't work unless Czech is on his game. If, if, if your eights are playing well, great. But if your number six is not doing his job, then that midfield falls apart completely. And, and he has been... I said it last week. 
he for me is the player that when you, he's not in the team, you miss him the most. Is, I think. is he one of the players of the season? I mean, we've got a lot of players he, I think of the he season, is. but is I think it, he, he is. should be in the running, shouldn't he? Because he, he's made such a big difference in that midfield. He's basically, as I said before, he's taken the Vieira role he's to heart. He's become our Vieira in that he, he, he's, he, he's very, very good defensively, but he's also driving things forward a little bit more. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess if you sort of take Charles's point about the sort of the, the pet project, he's become another one really because um, Vieira's really given him. You know, giving him some game time, and he's—he's. I've always liked Czech, but I just think he's really taken on this role. You know, it, it was normally him and Luca, wasn't it? And he's now sort of playing that role on his own. Luca's lost his place in the team. He is superb, and I think he. Uh, yeah, I think he's definitely in the running for player of the season. As you say, we've probably got about seven or eight players in the running for player of the season. I mean, some of the performances. You know, Monday night was superb, and we said everyone was a nine out of ten as they were, and I think everyone's probably a nine out of ten today as well. And again, like you do. You do have to caveat with the fact that, that, that Everton were, were poor apart from the first 20 minutes today. I mean, they are a team lacking so much confidence. Lacking, I'd say, a clear vision. I mean, at, at, at one point when Awobi comes on, they've got three at the back. They've got Awobi at right wing back. They've got, so, I don't know who's playing left wing back. I mean, the two up front suddenly. Calvert-Lewin, who's obviously had a big injury and is, is half the Terriers last season. They are struggling. And you could see at the end, and you made the really good point, when, when Lampard took their players over to the Everton fans that had stayed. The only pl- fans that had stayed were the ones that wanted to berate, to berate the manager because they're in trouble. I mean, they're a mess. And, and on paper, this was probably, out of the big Premier League teams, the best pers- pe- team to draw on paper. <laughs> and of course, the Palace, that rarely plays out. And they played out perfectly today. And, and, and again, to quote Selzy, who we'll hear from in part two, you can only beat who's in front of you. But apart from the 10, first 15 minutes, we were very professional and did a great job. We were clinical. You know, I wonder, I'd, I'd like to see the XG because I actually think those first two goals, the XG probably isn't that high. Obviously, the second two are sort of tap-ins, but I, I don't suspect we were particularly sort of a, a big XG today. But we were clinical in front of the goal, made our char- chances count when they, when they were there. I know I've moved away from talking about Czech there, haven't I? But uh, yeah, this, this whole team, we've had it since the start of the season, pivots on that midfield three doing their job. And we, you've had... You've had Chet doing great today. You've had Eze coming in doing a great role. You had Schlappi on Monday, who we talked about yeah. being the unsung hero, and then him missing today through suspension. This squad is really starting to show um, how clinical it is having all these options to come, Spanish there, um, to come off the bench, and, and we are lucky now. And then, you, and then you're able to bring on Luca, who I know we know is in the twilight of his Palace career, but can still do a job when needed, and Edward, who I thought was excellent when yeah. he came on. Uh, this, this is a proper squad game now. And today is another example of that, and it's just, it's great to see. And now we've got a day out at Wembley, and whatever happens, happens. But we're in a, we said this on Monday, this is a good time to be a Palace fan. It is, it, it really, really is. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot to be happy, positive about. I mean, I, I think it's, March has been a really good month for Palace fans. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the results, the results were a bit difficult at times, but, you know, and performances may be lacking a little bit. But when it's mattered, we've really put our foot on yeah. the gas. And yeah. now, now we're motoring. Watford, Wolves... Monday obviously didn't matter as much, but you know, nice still a point that you wouldn't Today, have expected. They've put in some big performances this month, and I think you know it, it's starting to click for Vieira, isn't it? There's obviously a guy on a motorbike behind me, so that's obviously bad in terms of audio. But uh, we hope you don't mind. It, it's all about the ambient noises of Norwood Junction. Just having a lovely chat, aren't they? They're having a nice chat and a catch up. A nice oh, hug. A little hug. A little hug. Yeah. They're in good spirits as well. <laughs> you know, it lifts the area. She's not been to Palace, but maybe he has. Who knows? Maybe. But you know, it's a nice, it's a nice old, old yeah, school motorbike. That motorbike. isn't it. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're in good moods right now because because our team have allowed us to be. You know, we've had a great day. The atmosphere is superb. I said to Giles as well, this will be one of those games that people will talk about, I think, in years to come. Like he, he's off. He's off. He's gone. Um, it was oh, a special. No, he's coming back. He's trolling us, isn't he? <laughs> 
Be- what a beautiful winners and losers, guys. That was absolutely lovely. Um, if you've missed our winners, you're going to want to hear them because it's it's a very special one indeed. So go to our patron, patron.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, slash F-Y-P podcast uh, to hear that every single week. Uh, right, quick break. When we come back, questions. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Uh, I would say uh, out of all the people that come on the podcast, you two really take the waves more seriously than others. And I'm I'm here for it. I'm massively here for it. So thank you very much. Um, It's pod 421. Time for questions. Stan Muzzle. Muzzle. Hi, Stan. Stan. How have we finally turned the corner towards Wembley Way? Yes, Dan, this is exactly what we're talking about. Do Thank you turn you. the corner to Wembley Way if you're coming from the underground, though? You don't. It's a straight you line. You just come down the stairs and right. walk on Wembley Way. You're absolutely but, uh, right. Stan, I'll take on your point, and I will yeah. do a turn for you as I enter We Wembley will all Way. do a turn at the top of Wembley Way, like it's the catwalk 
on RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, let's move on to another question. There you go, listener. <laughs> Your frequent RuPaul's Drag Race <laughs> reference. <laughs> um, here's a question, actually, from someone that someone in last week. I didn't get around to answering it, and it's actually become more relevant. Toby Kinder. Last hey, Toby. Week... Oh, hi, Toby. Hey, Toby. Last week, I asked, is this the best time ever to be a Palace fan? Some suggested 1991, but we were always... And Ian Wright sailed away from the bubble bursting. Yesterday, we had Zaha, Elise, Eze, Gallagher all starting up front. Will the loss of any of them have such a devastating impact? Um, JC, it is a very exciting time to be a Palestine, I think, isn't it? And and, and yeah, how does it compare, compare to early 90s then in terms of the best time to be a Palestine? Yeah, it's the, the early 90s, you know, you could come up with a team and you could you could compete to a certain, to a certain level, you know? So... Um, it was what the second season in and we, we we were amazing you know but you had that unit but you had exciting young you know players like jeff thomas who who had a couple you know a few seasons or a couple of seasons beforehand and yeah eddie mcgoldrick who was like could play sweeper and it was it was you know he was a winger but then he played sweeper and it was just like brilliant and yeah. you know we had the first million pound goalkeeper and um first million pound teenager it was all about the first million pound, and uh, yeah. it, so, so it it was really exciting. But thrown into that that time, you got some right howlers of players as well. Like you know, <laughs> so it it wasn't you know it wasn't just all plain sailing. But um, but this this is something I have never experienced in my life before uh, about Palace. It's it's so exciting. Um, it's even even the thing about Vieira being our third choice manager, and he needs time. He's inexperienced. It, it feels like there's a kind of systemic link up within the club, and this idea: well, if we lose Elise or we lose Zaha, would it be like when Ian Wright left? And it won't be because we now have a top notch academy where we're nurturing, we're attracting, we're we're an attractive club to come to. Um, we can pay okay wages. You know, I think the infrastructure is in place now uh, where, you know, and Elise will not not be staying around. You know, Zaha staying around at Palace, that, that's, a, that, that's an anomaly. It, it's something different. You won't see young players who are kicking it and doing fantastic, who are, who are hitting the 40 to 60 million pound brackets. Mm. They they don't stay. And, and and the economy of football, you don't let them stay around. You can't. People have, they have to move. Yeah. Um, so we, we need to get ready for movement, for change. For But as long as there's the structure, the philosophy based on the, the football director or director of football, where co- we have the coach that comes in and not, not the manager. Yeah that's where we're going to be safe so this we're going through we're going through change but oh my god is it exciting yeah i I, this is the thing jack and obviously i sort of missed the very early 90s um but i remember watching palace in the mid 90s and anytime we did anything well it always felt a bit like this is a bit ramshackle maybe we're a bit lucky to be here but we're doing our best and we're doing it in sort of palace way whereas now it does feel like the structure as jc says is in place and it almost doesn't matter who the players are or who the manager is because this this is this is being done differently this is being done properly and for that reason i think it does make it very exciting you know we haven't we haven't lucked out in 
in 10 years in the Premier League. We've, we've, we may have done in that first season, but we've, er- we've earned it now where we are and everything is being done sensibly. Everything is being done with a vision, you know, compare that to Everton who clearly have no kind of vision at the moment. Everything is being done with an absolute purpose which makes this current season, the next season, if we can hang on to these guys uh, for another season more, then the season after that, if not, you kind of have faith in the recruitment team that they will maybe go and find these other gems. So I think for that reason, it does feel very exciting right now. And it's almost, and as Chasey says, Vieira was third choice and in the summer, a lot of us maybe were a bit bit worried about what comes next. It's almost sort of come out of, Come out of nowhere, but I guess really that structure maybe had been in place in our, mm. you know, in, in the eight or nine years we'd been in the Premier League. I think being in the light of such a good recruitment summer last year means that all of our trust is there that whatever happens next, the next phase of recruitment will be just as good. We don't know whether that's going to be true or not. Yeah. We, 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 we don't know, but right now we believe it. And that's the most important thing. That's all you can do is believe in the moment. Um, the recruitment across the board was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, JC's just touched on it. Selzy mentioned it on the post-match pod. We've probably got four or five players, even if you take Gallagher out of it, who's not ours, you've got four or five players whose market value is probably in excess of 50 million pounds. Yeah. That is mental. That's Crystal Palace Football Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is absolutely (laughs) mental. I know we're going to touch on the England call-ups in a moment, but that's another nod in the right direction. I mean, in terms of my lifetime, as I said last week, my my Palace supporting obsession really developed 93, 94, 94, 95. I, it might be, you know, retrospective gloss on it, but I do think if we set up in 94, 95 with Martin, Southgate, Coleman, Shaw, John Solarco, Chris Armstrong, that team could have pushed on. There was so much good talent in that team that, yeah. that that team may well have gone on, but instead we had to fire Sale due to relegation. And then those that did stay left after we um, lost to Steve Claridge's shin. So we lost a lot of players. Then we did, you know, we evolved again and the likes of Hopkins, Andy Roberts, you know, made us a better team, uh, 97, 98. And then again, we went down. And then we had the weird season of 2004, uh, five, or sorry, three, four, and then four, five with Johnson yeah. scoring loads of goals. And then we had a chance to come back up and maybe that would have, you know, got us where we are today back then, but we didn't take that opportunity and and, and Johnson went and Routledge went and, you know, and here we are, you know, 20 years on, well, nearly 30 years on from when I st- first started watching Palace. And this is the most sustainable, rigorous framework of a football club I've ever enjoyed. And as, as you both touched on, from top to bottom, everything is at least heading in the same direction that they're at different speeds in terms yeah. of the academy is probably a little bit behind the first team but that will come because you will eventually see players coming through it's a great time to be a palace there's, fan th- that's a really... wonderful time to be a palace fan and i think so, sorry jc but i think specific to this cup run i think getting millwall away which was then selected for television and put on at 12 30 the saturday after new year when no one's doing anything was an absolute godsend it got everybody yeah invigorated by a potential mm. cup run to Wembley and here we are going yeah. to Wembley and I know mm. Wembley's now one round earlier than it used to be in the in the romantic days but this is what we're dealing with there, there's an opportunity to go to Wembley one round early and we've made the most of it and we've had a relatively fortuitous cup run but we've beaten everyone that we've had to beat and it's just it's just great it's just really really good and I think, I think, the I, cup's I, in I a th- very very healthy place yeah. I think also it's worth getting some there was a time when we just were promoted into the Premiership and we were looking at teams like Stoke as, as mm. a model. Um, and st- next season's our 10th season in the league and Stoke were 10 season in yeah. the league as well before they got relegated. But Stoke's whole business struck model was buying 
players that were out of date, big not time. in contract, big and paying games. big, big wenches, yeah. big wages, yeah. and nothing coming through. And if that falls apart, you, 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 you're done. Yeah. And we, we don't have that. And then also, 10 years on, the teams that are getting promoted are going to find it very hard from now on to survive yeah. the first season. Um, you know, Fulham are, I wouldn't, I would put money on them going straight down. <laughs> you know, and it, and it, but, well, if a team like, but if a team like Luton got promoted or a team like Huddersfield got promoted or Bournemouth again, they're, they're not strong enough they're, to, to survive. And that's on the one hand, quite sad because of the parachute, payments and you know just ha- how the structure is working the pyramid structure is working at the moment but for palace it's bloody good because it means every season if you guaranteed three or four teams that are very very you know just not good enough um it means that every season we're developing that next step that next step you know to be the kind of ninth to 13th team you know in the league and then one one hit maybe we we get into the euros or something but that's where we where we're, where we're going and yeah. it, it, that's super exciting. And that's why, as Toby says, in the, in 91, when Ian Wright went, everyone was like, oh, crap, we are screwed. And when AJ went, everyone was like, crap. Whereas now, if Elise does go next summer, everyone's like, okay, who's the next Elise? Yeah. And if Eze goes a year later, everyone's like, okay. It's a different situation to be Regard- in those previous Regardless times. of where Elise goes what he will go for is a significant profit. It's probably not going to be the profit we all hope it's going to be because I do think there's probably a release clause in that contract. I think that's why he's playing for Crystal Palace because Palace agreed for him to have a release clause. That that, that guy, Michael Lise, thinks he's going to play at the top level and right now, so do I. Given what he's shown in the Palace shirt, I think he's going right to the top, to quote Harry Redknapp about his nephew Frank Lampard to go full circle. So I think Michael Lise is going right to the top and the way he thinks that's going to happen is by having clauses in his contract that mean he's a more attractive proposition. That said, if Palace finished the season as the 8th to 10th best team in the country, is he? could he do any better than that right now? Probably not, other than going to sit on one of the big team's benches. So you could say to him, Michael, have another year. But if he does say, no, I'm going to go for 30, 40, 50 million possibly, well, given that we paid eight, that's a significant profit on a one-year investment. I and think, then that I goes think, back in the cycle. Yeah. So I, I'm very comfortable with, with that model. Um, yeah. It's a risky game, but clearly Palace is the due diligence on Elise to know that it wasn't that big a risk because the talent was there and he was going to prove it. I think... I think- Klopp said that he watched the Palace game against Everton and he watched or it maybe against City, City. No, City, City and he watched the first 67 minutes and he, he and was so exact, specific to the minute that Elise went and that was Elise he's watching and Elise's <laughs> prime candidate to, to take Salah's place well he's a prime candidate for Salah and also for Mahrez yeah. at City so he, exactly. he, he that, that exactly boy will go tough, right yeah. to the top he, he's absolutely sensational and he burnt um you know, high quality opponents yesterday. I think he picked up two bookings for opponents yesterday and could have had a third if um, if uh, Stuart Atwell had applied the laws properly. Um, and he he had them on toast. And actually, to give him credit, uh, sorry to make this all about Michael Lise to a very much broader question, but it was his skill on the byline yesterday that led to the corner, which led yeah. to the second yeah. corner, which led to the first goal. Yeah. So all credit to Michael Lise for taking the, the game by the scruff of his neck and, and doing something brilliantly. But he, in essence... Is, is the broader point to, to the question. That's the type of business we need to be doing. Actually, some would go, his selling would go some way to kind of demonstrating the, the, the proof in the pudding of if we sign him for eight and then sell him for 40, well, what a model that is yeah. in one year. 
And how attractive is that for his for other talents like coming through the football league system? Yeah, yes, exactly. And just really quickly, uh, and we had loads of questions from, from people, including Palace, Ash, Will, Robbie Scott, and Paul Knight, all saying, what on earth happened with the Elise shot for the Wilf third goal yesterday? I, I've watched it a hundred times. I, I think it maybe hits a standing foot, no, but I've no idea what happened. No, no, no it's, it, it's a classic. Um, I, I've seen this happen with my sons. This is cage football. It, see, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. They, so you think it's everyone's, intentional? Everyone's trying those type of shots, ways of thinking a ball in a different way. <laughs> it, it, and we go on about cage football and stuff, but it's it, the, the skill is sublime. And he would have been brought up with that in Hammersmith and, and places like that. That, that. that was a deliberate, deliberate shot he did. Well, well if so, I'm, then that's I'm going to disagree with that because the ITV producer uh, panned away from it, presuming it was going into... Sainsbury's car park or wherever it was heading and panned to Michael Elisa who turned around in absolute disgust only to turn around and see his colleague put it in for 3-0 so I don't think he did intend it however if he did intend it put another 10 million on him because that was absolutely <laughs> quality like if you agree John retweet if you want <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on quickly to other questions we've got questions about Chelsea tickets which which I don't know if we can really answer but um, it's come up quite a lot Robin Mickelberg if Chelsea's ticket situation isn't sorted, could Palace fill Wimbledon by ourselves? Don't think that'll ever happen, Robin, unfortunately, as great as that would be. And if we did, how amazing would the atmosphere be? It's going to be amazing anyway, Robin. Don't worry about it. Um, Achini, would I be correct in assuming Chelsea won't be able to sell tickets to the semi-final due to their restrictions? Or at least season ticket holders will be able to attend, meaning a bit of home advantage in the match. I think, Jack, um, knowing the FA, I think they'll, they will find a way to sell tickets probably directly to Chelsea. I, I don't think this is going to be a, a weird one-off game. There's going to be equal numbers, I think, probably in the stands. Yeah, this 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 is the prompt that the uh, the powers that be need to find some wriggle room in that agreement that that's currently in place regarding Chelsea's license to play. I fully expect Chelsea to have an allocation for this game, and how that's managed is is between the powers that be. I, I don't really care to be honest. What I don't want is Palace end being infiltrated by Chelsea fans who have got a membership, and that would that would ruin the day. Um, so um, I think the FA have a have a a thing to do here and they need to do it right and um, ensure that Chelsea fans have a, have a way of getting tickets in there. No, how, I, I how, how the money, Jason, sorry, Jason, but how the money goes, where the money goes, I don't know. But otherwise I think there is a gigantic risk that yeah. whatever the allocation palace yeah, 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 is infiltrated. Sure. So I, I, whatever my opinions are about the broader situation about Chelsea, I'm thinking about this only as a palace fan and I don't want Chelsea fans in the palace end. So if there's no, a but, way of minimizing mm, that risk, sure. I'm yeah. all for it. But JC, yeah. but over to you. I, I, I don't want Chelsea fans in Wembley because of their, I'm not saying every single one, but if you've got enough in a group to be heard singing Abramovich's name, I don't want that. And that will, that will be sung at Wembley. They will mm. sing that. Right. You know, and, and I, I don't want to hear that. I, 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 don't know, dis- and, and, I, I don't disagree with that, JC, at all. But I just, from a Palace perspective, I just think certain Chelsea fans sure. will try and find a way into Wembley. And, and if we get a, a bulkier allocation because no Chelsea end, I think that just increases the risk of Chelsea fans yeah, finding yeah. their way in the Palace definitely, end, definitely. as it were. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that needs to be, basically, a decision needs to be made ASAP so that yeah. that kind of thing's doesn't happen. Mm. I think Palace, I appreciate Palace, that's going to be yeah. difficult for Palace to filter that out if people are but, signing up for new memberships. But, but Palace fans did cite on Twitter last night that they've got Chelsea mates who've already bought Palace memberships. So if there's a way of us coining that 35 quid and then not allowing them to buy tickets, I'm all for it because that'll, <laughs> yeah. that'll go towards other things at the club. But, you know, I, I found it a bit galling at the cup final six years ago when United fans were in Club Wembley at the Palace end. So the idea of Chelsea fans being amongst yeah. the kind of paying Palace mm. fans section. Yeah. 
it's, it's quite a, a sour um, sour thought. So uh, whatever the situation is, I just want to minimise the risk of, of Chelsea fans in the Palace end. And um, it's really for the powers that be to sort it out. But I, I think Chelsea fans will ultimately have a way of getting tickets to, in one way, avoid that risk of, of kind of other end infiltration. As yeah, it were. agreed. But I do think we get around, depending on what the agreement with Chelsea is, I think fans of semi-final clubs get around 34,000 seats, yeah. which is more than the final because the yeah. corporate wedge goes, gets higher for the final. But 34,000 Palace fans in one place is is a very, very well, exciting Well, it, it's why I don't, uh, as, a fa- as a fan of a club that hadn't got to the semi for ages, I definitely subscribe to the why the semi's at Wembley. It's a terrible idea. But as a fan that then got Until there in 2016, there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you do get a bigger chunk than the final, so it basically means more fans can go and you yeah. more chance of sitting with your mates and your family. It's actually a fantastic idea. And it, to be honest, I would play a friendly at Wembley. It doesn't matter. If you're at Wembley as a fan of a club like Crystal Palace, that is huge and that is very important. And just to be there for a semi in, as well is a big moment. So I think we, I'm sure we'll all embrace it. Just quickly on Chelsea again, Anna Mondrell, hello, um, Anna. hello Anna, and Obi have both asked, uh, hey, can Gallagher play against Chelsea? Dom came on the post-match pod, another reason to sign up to Patreon, um, who obviously knows a lot about Chelsea. And, and if you want the answer, go and listen to that post-match pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, there isn't really an answer at the moment because we don't know because we do not have the co- the loan contract in front of us. But it, it would, from what Dom is saying, it would be surprising if Chelsea would allow that to happen uh, or allow that to be written into the contract anyway it's not a it's not a premier league game and some fans have been looking at all the the, the rules on premier on you know the fa.com uh, and it is, does seem to be different from cup competitions to premier league competitions but other people have po- pointed out that needs to be then agreed by the 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 um the parent club before the game. And I can't imagine Chelsea are going to say, yeah, yeah, have Gallagher, who's been your best player in this massive game. Um, at the can, so I, can, can you imagine if he did play and he went to penalties and he missed the penalties? <laughs> oh, no, you've got, you've got to go and score, JC. Imagine if he scores the winning penalty against Chelsea. It's not going to, I don't think it's going to happen. So we're going to have to obviously um, work around that. And maybe that's a question for um, whatever pod we do in early April previewing this, because I'm sure the, the that... answer, the answer does rhyme with a beret as a, so that's, <laughs> that's what I will say. I think, on, and I think on, on after Monday, uh, and if he can, uh, sorry, Sunday, and he continues that form, then he's worked his way into uh, his own, himself a place in the semi-final. but we will, we will probably preview the Chelsea game um, in the week um, before that game. Of course, really quickly, um, Robbo 1992, Hello, Hello, Robo. Says, should Sellers Park be sponsored by Diet Coke next season? How many bottles do we need to take to Wembley? It's a little nod to the fact that um, I seem to have a very lucky Diet Coke bottle thing running at the moment. Um, And whenever I buy it, it's not the same bottle, I want to point out. I haven't got a dirty old bottle, empty bottle of Coke in my pocket. It's every time I buy a bottle of Coke while I'm there, Palace seem to win. And in fact, last night before I went to bed... um, Well, I went to half sleep and then rolled over and got my phone out, which my wife was a bit annoyed about. I worked out my record this season and I've actually, not that I'm obviously like, you know, saying any of it's down to me, but I've seen seven Palace wins, three defeats and two draws. So, um, Champions League form. In all competitions, Champions League form. I've been very lucky this season. There's only 12 games I've been to. I think that's right, 12 or 13 games. Uh, but I've been very lucky indeed. Um, really good mental arithmetic there. <laughs> I don't know. My dad's the accountant. I didn't get it. Anyway, uh, yes, Robbo, don't worry. I will be making sure the Diet Coke bottles uh, come out when needed and uh, happen again at the weekend. Um, 
Here's one, JC, for you. Someone we nearly touched upon in, in, in Winners and Losers in part one is uh, Jack Butland. Miles mm. Loudon, who starts in goal for the semi. Mahuman, should Vieira keep Butland for the semi-final or bringing Guaita? Guaita. Um, yeah, he's been our cup keeper this season. And apart from the first five minutes against Millwall, um, has done very well indeed. And a few league games in there chucked in as well. So another big shout out. I know you wanted to talk about Butland. Um, another good performance by him. Yeah, very good performance. Very tidy. Had a couple of scuffed shot, um, scuffed kicks, but actually that's not a weakness. I wouldn't say in his game. Um, he hadn't really a save to make, but he had a presence. Claimed all the balls. Very tidy, gathering the ball for low shots. Um, and he looks like a really competent number two goalkeeper. And I'm stressing number two. And we're not a big team, and we don't get to semi-finals often. So. The high, you know, would you play Raksaki over Elise because Raksaki is also exciting? You would, you, you wouldn't. It comes to the stage now. We have to play our strongest team in the semi-finals. So, I'm sure Butland played. He'll be great, but you have to start with that mentality of your number one team, and that means Guaita has to start. Interesting. So that's a that's a that's a nod for Guaita. I know Jack was biting his tongue when he said number two there, uh, which has happened many times on this podcast. Just glad and, I didn't say it this week. Was it you last week? Yeah. Um, well, there you go. So Jack. So so yeah, Jack. That that's a that's checking the box for uh, Guaita. What would you do? Are you, are you Guaita or Butland for the semi? Because well, JC's right. It has it's crunch time now. I, I said I would stick with Butland last week, and then Joe Walker made a very good case for Guaita, and I completely changed my mind. So <laughs> I <laughs> I I. Uh, yeah, I don't really know. I, I think Butland did himself no harm yesterday. He's he's very um he's very reliable in terms of his handling. Um, he, there was a tricky ball across the box yesterday. I think at two in the second half it was only two nil. Yeah, and he did really well to bring it into him. And and if he'd spilled that, Richarlison was was right there to put it away. And two one would have made it a very different last twenty five minutes. And that's what you need. When, you know, when your keeper's not tested, when he when he does need to be involved, you need him to be on point. And he absolutely was at that moment. Um. So I don't know. It's a tricky one. I, I think semi-final, I think we've seen with other clubs over the years that the, uh, the kind of number one, more established number one has come back in at the, the semi-final stage. And it wouldn't surprise me if Finney does get the, uh, get the gloves for that semi-final for, for the reasons I, JC outlined, to be honest. Can I ask, can I quickly JD ask Jack a question on, yeah. on fit Joe Ward? Oh no. Or Nathaniel Klein? <laughs> Hands hands down at the moment is Kleine. I thought he had another very yeah. accomplished performance yesterday, and um, yeah, there, there's no arguments at the moment. And uh, I'd be surprised if Ward, uh, injuries permitting, I'd be surprised if Wardy gets a run in the team between now and the end of the season. I think Klein's been absolutely excellent and is slowly but surely making a very good case for an extended contract into next mm. season and beyond. I, I, I think he didn't put his foot wrong yesterday, and. Um, Anthony Gordon kind of drifting out to the flanks, as I mentioned earlier, was really the only threat. Richarlison moved outside in the second half and everything that that came Klein's way, he dealt with with the support of Anderson. I just thought, I just think at the moment, they're a very good partnership on that right-hand side of the, yeah. the back four. So um, I, I will still submit my candidacy for the president of Jay Was, but <laughs> I, I do appreciate my... Uh, my lack of support for Joel there does mean that my candidacy is in doubt for, for future years. And but, also, can Joel <laughs> play anyway? It's on Easter Sunday. <laughs> 
no comment. I'm, I'm not going to go into the details of the degrees of Joel Ward's faith, um, <laughs> but he's a Christian man, and I'm sure he respects Easter Sunday more than most. But uh, yeah, I'm sure he'll be he'll be available. Probably a, a Easter egg hunt in the morning with a church service with a quick dash to Wembley in the afternoon. Uh, kick, off, kick off time may well present difficulties <laughs> for him, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, right, lovely stuff. Really quick final question slash, it's not really a question, just a, a comment from uh, Matt Tassel. This, this caught my eye. It's hey, really lovely. Hey, Matt. Not, Matt says, not a question, but worth noting given the early kickoff time, it being a cup match, there were plenty of kids witnessing their first ever game at Solos yesterday. My five-year-old daughter included, mesmerized, skipped all the way home, singing Vieira's name. What a club we've got. Just a lovely byproduct mm. of this cup game and early kickoff. Uh, I know Jesse Boyce, who does the pod, obviously took his young boy, Sonny, and they'd made a... Um, a tinfoil uh, FA Cup, which is obviously a, a classic. And um, that, I know, got a lot of attention. After we walked past our new uh, drinking uh, haunt, uh, the Yeah Noah by uh, Noah Junction. And as he walked past, everyone outside was going, Ree! and then they brought it in and we were all lifting the cup. And it was just a lovely moment, which only really happens with cup games. It doesn't really happen with league games. Um, and I think there being so many kids around as well helped with that. It was a very sort of romantic childlike wonder that we could all join in with and uh yeah it was lovely so thank you matt for that tweet it was nice to see that and i know a few people replied to that and stuff and were saying that their their kids went as well so yeah just another another lovely reason to enjoy the day and also hopefully some future fans in although i should say it doesn't happen like this all the week or every game kids you know it's it's not always this good but hopefully it's made a few fans for the future so. and, and kids don't bring signs asking for shirts <laughs> please don't Parents, if you're doing that, don't. Yeah. Tinfoil cups, fine. I got to say, for shirts. A shout out to the tinfoil cup. That was one of the best ones. I've, that's that's what I've you should seen. be doing. Yeah. The only yeah. thing Sonny was lacking, as I did say to Jesse earlier in the week, was a bobble hat. Yes. I, 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 that, yeah. I, I do think uh, if if a child is to be wear uh, having a, a tinfoil FA cup, the the bobble hat is a requirement. But hey, given the the sunny climbs of southeast London yesterday, I'll, I'll let Sonny pass <laughs> on that one. Indeed. Lovely stuff. Uh, right. Really quick break. When we come back, no game to preview because it is international break, but we're going to chat really quickly about three internationals that have been called up for Palace for England. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Attention shoppers, we now have taste in the bread aisle. Dave's Killer Bread. That's right, an organic bread that's no longer a sedative for your taste buds. Dave's Killer Bread is on a mission to make the most of the loaf, to rid the world of GMOs, high fructose corn syrup, and artificial ingredients, and plant the seeds of good in all that they bake. Killer taste, killer texture, and always organic. Dave's Killer Bread. Bread amplified. 
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Fire Pan Podcast. Way Eagles. Beautifully done. Uh, part four of Pod 421. No game this week. And next game is not until Monday, the 4th of April, at home to Arsenal. Um, but, Jack, we have internationals. And for once, uh, Palace can get excited about uh, England because there are three players, not one, not two, three players called up to the England side. Uh, two we own, one we don't, but it feels like we do. So Conor Gallagher uh, has been called up and then Mark Gahey. And literally this morning, I think Tyreek Mitchell yep. has also been called up as well. Um, not something we really get to indulge in very often as Palace fans. I think, and again, it's a fact check moment, correct me if I'm wrong, the last Palace player to be called up was Andros Townsend in 2017. Correct. And the last time Palace had more than one player, I think it's going back to early 90s with Wright and Bright and Gray and Thomas, I believe. And Martin, Nigel Martin. And Nigel Martin. Was, this, was this Salalco as well? Possibly yeah. Salalco, yeah. Some, Salalco, some, Jeff some, maybe not at the and, same time. Maybe not was Andy time. Gray, Andy Gray, Jeff, Jeff Thomas, Thomas. Salalco, yeah. Nigel Martin. Right, there you go. There, I don't know there if they were, were mentions, the it was, uh, JC, there were mentions earlier on, on social media uh, oh, yeah. that it was the tour of Australia. That's it, New Zealand. Is that right? New, New, New Zealand. Zealand. And, okay, That's so it. that was 90, I mean, we're talking 30 years ago. We're talking of, yeah. <laughs> my, practically my lifetime. This yeah. is unheard of. I mean, yeah. it's, again, testament to the, the, the good place the Palace are in at the moment. It's absolutely brilliant. John Salalco came on against... New Zealand or started against New there Zealand. There you go. Good. There we go. Good memory. There we are. Well, I'll what take, a... I mean, if, uh, if any, I think if at any moment over the next two games, there are more than one Palace player on the pitch, and I do include Gallagher in that, um, it'll be the first time I've seen two Palace players in the same England team. Yeah. So that really would be a moment. I've seen AJ, I've seen Townsend, Wilf, obviously. Wilf, yeah. Um, so it, it, it's a great, great nod to the kind of uh, the stability that the club is is showing and the development of of its kind of younger players. So, I mean, while Connor's not ours, it's his performances in the Palace shirt that have gotten this call-up. He didn't get a call-up at West Brom last year. Um, and it's his performances in Palace midfield that's brought him to the attention of, of Southgate and Steve Holland. And, and all credit for Gallagher um, to, to maintain his place. But obviously the, the focus is on on Mark Gay and, uh, and Tyreek Mitchell for their first call-ups. And both... Very, very much deserved. I think we, we've talked about Gay throughout the season so far, uh, under twenty-one captain. Clearly on that kind of roadmap to a senior call-up, and 
I think Southgate may even have been reluctant to call him up because he's taking a, a linchpin out of the under-21 squad who have got, yeah. I think, important qualifiers coming up. So Lee Carsley will be without his captain and one of his more senior um, players at that level. But such has been his form, there's there's really no reason to not call him up. And it's it's fully justified. I think his performances as a central defender have have put him in a, a wonderful light, but also the leadership that he's showing as a yeah. as a Premier League centre back. Mm. To be captaining a, an established Premier League side at the age of twenty one is, is is no mean feat. And and it's all all credit to him to how he's put himself about to show someone like Patrick Vieira himself an incredible leader, that he is a leader of men. And mm. and he he's wearing that captain's armband and it's not having an impact on his on his game at all. So it's fantastic to see him get that call up. I do think he's one of the best performing English centre halves in the Premier League um, and, and fully justifies it. And Tyreek, since the turn of the year, I don't think there's, for me, a better fullback in, in the Premier League. It, sorry, left fullback. I think Trent Alexander Arnold's been probably Liverpool's best player of the season. So it'd be remiss to say that Mitchell's playing at his level. But in terms of left fullback, I actually think Mitchell was unfortunate to be not named in the original squad and have to rely on injury pullouts in order to get that call up. I hope it doesn't take the gloss off for him because it's a, a monumental moment for him. And, and he will get minutes. I, I think all three of those players will get minutes in the two friendlies. The fact that they're both friendlies is, is, um, is good. Uh, and, and increases the prospects of them getting there um, for, for Gallagher, their second England cap, and for Gaye and, and Mitchell, their first England caps. And it's just a fantastic achievement for, for all of them and, and um, testament to the dedication they've shown. Um, so, yeah, very, very exciting. And I'm actually tempted to go and get tickets for uh, England versus Ivory Coast next week, which uh, would be the first England game I go to for a long time. Not since... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think 2016 was my last England game. So, uh, yeah, I, I just would love to see them both. And, um, yeah, there's nothing more to say. I'm, I'm absolutely beaming, to be honest. I'm delighted. Well, well it, it ties in, JC, doesn't it, to Toby's question from earlier. Is this the best time ever to be a Palace fan? This is just another reason of, of why we are, you know, living through such a great moment. And 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 not just the, the call-ups, which are, shows that, one, if you play well for a team like Palace now, you will get recognised. And we've had players in the past we thought should have got called up and they weren't and was there a big club bias going on etc cetera, etc cetera. but a feather in the cap for the academy with Tyreek getting called up and, and and I know previously we all thought that Aaron Wambasaka should have probably been called up earlier and as soon as he goes to United gets a call up um, but for for the academy at Palace to show there is a pathway not just into the Palace first team into the England squad from this academy is absolutely huge. And, and again, yeah. we're talking about great time to be a Palace fan, the money that's gone into the academy recently, the 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 project, the forward lines, where this club is going. This is another great reason. I mean, this, this is the very top playing for your country. Another great reason as to why it's not just good to be a Palace fan at the moment, it's good to be a Palace player. Oh, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And, and you're right, for a London club to see your players and especially an academy player getting picked for England while still at your club yeah. is, is is so special. But also, I think you've alluded to this, Let's the bigger picture, you know, there's under-21 player playing for France, there's Benteke yeah. playing for Belgium picked, there's um, Anderson with Denmark, uh, then, then there's the, all the young Irish lads that Paddy McCarthy has nurtured, they're all getting called up for Ireland under-21s and under-18s. And, you know, it's, you know, if you're a parent bringing your kids to the academy and they, they mm. want to, they palace want you, you're not just looking at Tyreek Mitchell, you're looking at those guys who are sitting yeah. over there, that they're all representing their country. Yeah. And that that's just insane. 
Yeah, I remember when it was just Alex Kalinko getting called up for his international. <laughs> but now we've got the whole squad's getting called up, and I just it, it shows what a good place the club is in. How much actually outside the club, the academy and the setup is respected by those at the very top. And I know Southgate obviously is a former Palace player, was there at the opening of the academy as well. But it does show that though, but he didn't pick Wan Bissaka when he was in, no. in top form. You know, it's not a given that just because Southgate's got. Palace ties that these players are going to get picked and it's taken some exceptional form from those that have been picked to be picked. Um, I think JC's point about Elise is really interesting one. I think one, it gives the clearest indication as to who he wants to, yeah. to to play for moving forward. I think he had up to four options in terms of who he, who he can declare for. Because Carsley said that England, England did want him. Yeah, made uh, I think for a long time. appropriate football term is overtures. So they, they, <laughs> they, they, they were, um, you know, <laughs> Yeah, they were at the door, but he's he's chosen his route and 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 that's his choice. But to, I mean, that, again, that just to me highlights the ambition that guy has to yeah. to go for the French option with with the bounty of of talent they have at an under twenty one level, let alone at the senior level, is is an indication that that guy is a confident guy. And uh, there's no reason why he can't he can't reach the mm. senior level in the next few years because he he's got the talent. But um, yeah. It, for Palace to have a French under twenty one is is brilliant, and even a year ago, if you said that to me, I wouldn't have believed it. Yeah. So it, it's um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it, it's the elite, only hope, it's the, a, the only hope, JC. Sorry, JC. The only hope is they'll right. come back fit. <laughs> That's the yeah, only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. obviously, the more players mm. that go away, the greater there is uh, the yeah. risk of, of of stuff going wrong. But yeah, they all deserve it. There, there's 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 just plenty to be happy about as a Palace fan at the moment, and, and the international call ups are another kind of string to that bow. There is something about Elise and just his his awareness of not just wanting to be a winner, but you know, playing for teams that are going to win. Yeah, yeah. And France, France, France will give him that over England. You yeah. could you could yeah. potentially argue, you know, they've got the history of winning stuff, and it's 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 he's got this confidence. It's incredible. I, I also yeah. think it's you know. He he is English by birth, but his mother is is French, and and if he's grown up in a French French Algerian, and if he's grown up in a in that environment, then and that's who he's comfortable playing for, then then so be it. I think the idea that we'll keep on trying to persist as a, as a football association to get him to choose us is well, it's a little bit crass. It's not the same. Mm. That's why international football is different to um, club football. You know, there isn't that as, as much as Harry Redknapp would have loved that to have been the case if he'd ever become, sorry, my second Harry Redknapp mention of the week, but um, <laughs> obviously the, the, there's a difference. You can't just go out and get the players. I appreciate that you can, you know, make advances on players and say, would you like to play for us? But it's, it's almost good that that question for him, which would have been a distraction in terms of his club form has, has probably gone away now. If he's indicated to the French FA yeah. that he wants to play for France, then that's the route for him moving forward. And uh, and if he carries on playing the way he is, the the route to their French senior squad will be clear for him. So yeah, yeah, but yeah, can't wait to see the boys in um, in the England shirts. That's that's the, the more pressing thought, I guess, given uh, mm. given the locality of, of of where we are. It's uh, it's very exciting. Um, and to think that Mitchell was released, or not by any fault of his own, but kind of became a free agent because Brentford decided to rid themselves of their academy and was without a club, I think only three or four years ago. And now here he is, you know, possibly a, a full England international in the next week or so. It's just brilliant. It's the, it's the dream of football, isn't it? Indeed. That was, and that was two very top, top references from you there, Jack, as well. So well done. Top, top. Well done for that. Um, and it's been a top, top pod. Guys, thanks very much for joining me. Um, it's been absolutely lovely having you both on. JC, great to have you back on. Thank and, you so uh, we'll much. We'll see you again soon, hopefully. 
Yeah. And uh, Jack, well, I mean, you're part of the furniture now, but it's just lo- lovely having you on. I'm, I'm just permanently on the Zoom call waiting for you to log on. So <laughs> I, I, ne- I never go away. I'm just here for the next recording. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'll see you next week. Well, maybe not next week. I mean, we might have a week off next week. I've got a couple of ideas for potential sort of... Um, big game. Uh, the next, next league pods. game is a big one. So maybe we could do maybe it, we even could if do it's a shorter one, because yeah. it's, yeah. you know... I can't yeah. wait another another Monday night under the lights at Selhurst. So indeed, indeed. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much for joining uh, joining us this week. Thank you to our patrons, of course. And if you want to join our patron, it's patreoncom podcast. And thank you to everyone uh, for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll see you again very soon. So take care. Goodbye. Bye bye. When it comes to business and meeting travel in Orlando, it's never business as usual. Sure, I could go on for days about all the incredible places to hold your meeting or the innovative industries that will make you feel right at home. But Dr. Michael Edwards of Ocean Insights said it best. Orlando is as much a business capital as an entertainment one. And when work wraps up for the day, the evening is just getting started. I'd love to tell you about all the 46 Michelin-rated restaurants, or the array of outstanding dishes that'll have you coming back again and again. But executive chef Guillaume Rabine of Lake Nona Wave Hotel can sum it up better than me. Orlando has a world of artisans, so you can try incredible cuisines from across the globe. It's so true, and there's so much more. So dive in and see what's happening in Orlando, where the possibilities for business travel are unbelievably real. Learn more at orlandoforbusiness.com. Podcast Network.